Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for joining me today. This is your host, Jim Ventura. If it's your first time joining me for a Snake Oil Radio show, uh, a little bit about myself and the show. Uh, again, my name is Jim Ventura. I am a uh, professional navigational consultant. Uh, that means that I work with, uh, in my case, I work with astrology, numerology, tarot, runestones, a number of different types of oracles that I've been working with for many, many years professionally. And uh, I do uh, sessions for people here in my home office in Phoenix by appointment, as well as uh, by phone. Uh, if you want any information about uh, setting up an appointment and services, go to my website, jimventura.com, and you get some information and send an appointment request uh, to uh, schedule an appointment. I also have some specials running right now, too, for new clients, so check that out on the website. Uh, also an author, I do a monthly column called Snake Oil. I've been doing the column for many, many years now, almost uh, a little over a decade uh, at this point, and uh, if you're already on my newsletter mailing list for the monthly column, email me at VenturaSag at Yahoo.com. Get to get information about that on the website at JimVentura.com, and uh, sign up for the monthly newsletter because you get discounts on sessions and just great information once a month. Uh, also a published author of a couple of different books, and I've uh, been doing the column for a while as well as the radio show. Although, uh, if you are a follower of my show, you know I haven't done a radio show in a couple of months. The last radio show I did was in November. So I took a couple of months off as a hiatus for a little while, some, just some things I was working through personally and then um, just decided to take a break for a little bit, but I uh, really did miss doing the show. So I'm back on. I have to change up the format a little. First of the month, I'm always going to do a uh, live column read and talk about that in more detail. I'll continue with that pattern. But I am going to start doing uh, Michael teaching classes. Um, I'll be doing that in two weeks uh, for the next show. And uh, still every other month, I'll still do the astrology update shows. And during those shows, I take live callers for five-minute mini phone consultations. But that's going to be about every other month for the uh, added astrology shows to post a monthly but we still should be doing two or three broadcasts a month on Thursdays. All right. So enough on all that sales stuff. Uh want to read this this month's column. This is a new piece that I wrote uh, and uh, called Inner Worth Mounts. I'm going to read the column. I want to talk about it in a little bit more detail. Um, the other thing I'm going to try to get to today, I try to, I will get to today, is I want to talk a little bit about um, this Mercury retrograde because we're in the last few days of it like to give you a little insight, even though this is the astrology show, but I'll do that toward the end of uh, the column read and discussion about that in the 45-minute show today. So I won't be taking live calls, uh, so please hold off on the call. They won't be able to take any of those today. Um, and uh, let's start off by reading this month's column called Inner Worth Mount. One of the oracles I have consistently used, not only for clients, but for myself, has been the Viking rune stones. There are many different reasons why I see the runes as consistently valuable as a tool for guidance. The main reason is because they're an easy way to connect to intuitive knowledge, and they practically help assist in gaining clarity about what type of response or action is appropriate in any situation. There are times when we need to be assertive and times when action is not the right response. Sometimes the runes will suggest standing still 
I found that even when I don't like the message and suggestions of the runes, more often than not, they resonate with what feels intuitively correct. This is not always in sync with what I emotionally or logically want the answer to be. Yet, after 26 years of working with this excellent oracle, they continually prove valuable. At times when I've ignored their advice and acted with an opposite response, I usually ended up saying the original rune advice was correct. This year, I frequently found myself pulling the same rune. Rado, the journey, communication, union, and reunion. Ralph Blum's book on rune interpretation is by far the most profound book on runic meanings. One of the insights he shares is that when we see life as a journey, we have the potential to allow our inner worth to mount along the way. I had a very successful year in 2014. It was one of the most prosperous and abundant years of my life. My business grew and other areas of life also blossomed. The majority of my success had to do with seeds I had already planted in previous years. Many of the beneficial conditions I encountered came my way rather easily. Gills, as a a counselor and navigational consultant, have sharpened, along with a number of other aspects, too numerous to list. There is no question that my sense of self-worth is at an all-time high. It is also no surprise that almost all of my friends and current regular clients are experiencing a similar vibration and experience. The journey rune reminds us that we can learn to become more aware of what right action is and to be willing to not focus so much on movement, but to work on removing any internal resistance. We often get frustrated with areas in our lives that seem to be stuck. Why can't I meet the right mate and always pick losers? Why do I never seem to have enough money? Why do people always take advantage of my kindness? Why can't I lose weight? These and similar questions are common types of dilemmas many people face, yet... We often get so caught up in the frustration, unhappiness, and what is missing that we miss an opportunity key to resolving the issues. We typically rally against the people, things, society, and causes outside of us that seem to be the root of the problems. We fail to see that more often than not, the obstructions are actually inside. The outer problem is a result of an internal lack of self-worth and fear-based beliefs about life and ourselves. When I have downtime, I sometimes watch some of the more sillier types of talk shows, like Jerry Springer, the relationship theatrics people are willing to share on television in front of millions of people are often ridiculous and extreme. Yet many of the stories and dilemmas reflect elements on a world that are universal. A common example is a young woman, or man, tells Jerry in the audience her relationship with her baby daddy started off wonderful, but now he hardly ever comes home, tells her she is too fat, and she thinks he may be sleeping with her best friend. After the theatrics of him coming out on stage and admitting it, the woman fighting on stage, blaming it on things like, well, she did this to me with my boyfriend five years ago, and some other nonsense, the deeper truth emerges. The guest breaks down and emotionally says things to her boyfriend or her husband like, after all I did for you, you treat me this way. I gave up my family and friends for you. 
I gave up my career to raise your child. I work so you can sit on the couch and play video games and pursue your rap career. After all I've sacrificed for you, how could you treat me like garbage? You make me feel worthless. What the guest fails to see is that the belief and fear that she is worthless or lacking was already there. Even if it was only a mild fear or doubt, over time and repeated mistreatment, the fear of worthlessness becomes stronger, and the circumstances become even more painful. The seeds of lack of self-worth were already there. If it wasn't originally there, she would have ditched the abuse of May far sooner or simply never got emotionally involved with someone like that in her life. Well, this example is extremely dramatic. Most of us do this in different areas of our lives. We unconsciously pick someone or job, friendship, circumstance, who mistreats us precisely because some part of us believes we're not worthwhile. This does not excuse the abuser from responsibility. For their own reasons, they may feel the need to hurt someone rather than face struggling with their self-worth issues. The person or situation we pick may temporarily treat us well, but if a part of us feels unlovable or unworthy, the seemingly good start often acts like a temporary band-aid and is not an actual cure to a belief in inadequacy. If we truly knew we were wonderful, loving, deserving, and talented, we wouldn't allow any form of abuse or put a stop to it the first time it surfaced. In addition, our tangible external world would reflect this back to us. Sometimes we need repeated experiences or tests to finally come to a place of, self, of healthy self-esteem. Often the tests are not easy ones. Experience some toxic relationships. I experienced some toxic relationships and a few lousy jobs in my early 20s precisely because my inner sense of self-worth wasn't very high. While I always consciously wanted to be happy, loved, and successful, I had internal beliefs and doubts about whether I was truly deserving. So, I unconsciously picked relationships that were either unrequited love arrangements or even a bit psychologically abusive. My complaint was I gave too much and got little in return. I had trouble feeling worthy of receiving love. This began to shift in my early 30s and has definitely changed completely. There's currently no part of me that would ever tolerate any form of abuse in a relationship. It has been that way for some time. Along my journey with intimate relationships and even friendships, my sense of inner worth has continued to mount. I expect to be treated really well by my friends and partners, and this is exactly what I encounter. When the recession of late 2008 hit, like many people, I had a difficult few years financially, mounting credit card debt, very little savings, and a dramatic decrease in my income made me question my value in career choices and stability. The more I struggled with increasing doubt about whether I'd done it all wrong or not enough, I experienced even more difficulty making ends meet. While the conditions of the bad economy played a big part in my struggles, the seeds of doubt were already there. Long before the economic collapse, I had fear and shame around high debt. And I sometimes beat myself up internally for letting myself get in such a difficult position. My higher self presented many opportunities for me to see my value, even during the difficult times. But my inner fear voice was louder. When I finally listened to the more positive messages, both internally and externally, my doubts began to fall away. My external reality shifted to prosperity quickly after I changed the negative internal messages. 
It isn't that people and conditions don't influence us along the roads we travel in our lifetimes. They absolutely do. Fear and negative beliefs begin to root when we're developing as children and young adults. If we are repeatedly told we are not worthwhile by anyone or any situation, the fear will grow. Yet we still need to see that there is a part of us that is drawing the negative things to us. When we struggle, it is because we have beliefs about life that are not conducive to success. If we choose not to see these limiting beliefs, we will spend lifetime after lifetime fighting external battles and giving our power away. The trick is to become aware of the limiting beliefs we may have and then recognize that we can change them. While the willingness to work hard and increase knowledge are important parts of becoming confident, success in any area of life stems from a strong sense of self-worth. When opportunities come our way to increase our self-worth, we have to take advantage of them, whether they be negative or positive triggers. The negative experiences may make us uncomfortable, but they also can illuminate where a limiting belief or fear is, so they're valuable. We also always have the ability to create more empowered beliefs at any time. My sense of inner worth continues to mount, and I have a lot more road to travel ahead. I'll also get to help more people to increase their sense of self-worth, and this is happily very much part of my dharma. Walking the path now with more confidence is making the journey itself far more enjoyable. All right, so I wrote this column actually in early January. Of course, it was my usual mad scramble to get it edited 8 million times into my editor as well. Probably, it was funny, every once in a while I read something and still catch uh, uh, edit, editorial mistakes. Well, not editorial mistakes, grammatical grammar errors. Um, I don't know if grammatical is a word. Uh, <laughs> the uh, grammatic errors all of the time. This is the perfectionist nature of having a lot of Virgo in my astrology chart, even though I am Sagittarius on time. Anyway, uh, so I wrote that piece. I uh, kind of had that cooking for a long time. You know, uh, let me talk a little bit about the runes themselves because I have worked with a lot of clients. I've, I've worked with the runes for years. I picked up the runes uh, when I was about 24, 25. Um, it was one of the, um, maybe been 23, 24, I picked up the runes. And I was just absolutely blown away by by working with runes. Um, they're really a simple oracle to work with in that way because they're a lot easier to learn how to use than something like tarot cards. I always say this, I've said this in past shows, you know, trying to read tarot cards is like going from uh, addition of subtraction straight to um, algebra and geometry. It's a much more complicated oracle to work with. Runes are uh, really much easier to learn how to use, yet they're still tremendously empowering. You know, I've used them for, for so many years that, you know, you think after using them for so so long, you wouldn't really be drawn to using it and sort of reading the same passages again and things like that. But for some reason, more always seems to come out of it. I You know, I, I, I commented about Ralph Blum, who is, most of the time if you buy a set of runes, usually the Ralph Blum book is in with that. Um, if it isn't, I suggest getting a copy of it anyway. I've seen other rune interpretation books, but Ralph Blum uh, seems to have done by far the best job. Uh, there may be other people that did excellent jobs with rune interpretations books, but just from my experience, it is just awesome what he did. Um, the passages are just profound. In fact, I, I may read the Journey Rune quote in full. Um, I think I'll read that in a little bit. Um, so, you know, uh, one of the reasons the runes are easy to work with, too, is because there's less of them. There's only 25 of them. 
So, of course, some have reverse meanings, so that does add up some new interpretations to understand. But um, ultimately, um, they are a bit of an easier oracle to work with, but again, still really, really useful. So I just found myself pulling that journey rune a lot, and it really did kind of get me to think in terms of, you know, the life being a journey and that sense of what I was learning along the way. So um, I just got, you know, at, from a mathematical perspective, I pulled that rune far too often for it to be accidental, uh, even though that's kind of a silly word anyway, accidental. And uh, it just it came up a lot. And that's what was happening. You know, I, you know from it, it, using the financial element as an example, um, yeah, 2014 was a very good year for me. Um, I had gone through a number of things during the recession, slash depression, 2009, 10, 11, even 12 um, was a little rough. Um, but looking back on it, you know, again, I really had a lot of self-doubt. I had a successful thriving business when the economy tanked somewhat, um, like it did for a lot of people who were self-employed, probably the brunt of them. Um, you know, that really brought up a lot of uh, fear and, and doubt. But again, like I had said in the piece, it, in some ways it was already there. You know, they were, I really had such a, a tremendously high amount of credit card debt um, that I just kept thinking, maybe, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll eventually pay this off or I'll win money and pay it off or some other money will come my way to pay it off. But I had a lot of fear around that. So um, I, I dealt with the credit card issue uh, back in 2009 um, and, uh, and got rid of that whole issue. I actually don't even... I completely got rid of using credit at all and haven't used it for uh, almost six years now uh, and have survived and done really well, pay for everything with cash. Best thing I could ever have done, by the way. Um, not suggesting it for everyone, but for me it was a, definitely a good solution. But that was what it was. It was it would build up a fear and doubt. And I, and I've been told, even when I got into this field and, and even when I started out as a waiter and a bartender and then eventually got into this work in this field, so I didn't get a lot of encouragement. I had wonderful parents and good, strong family, but I didn't get a lot of encouragement over my talents or ability. I went against the grain of what my family told you I was supposed to do. You're supposed to get a regular job. You work it until you retire, and then you live for a few more years and you die. That, you know, you save money, and, you know, and be beautiful. For a lot of people, that's the path. It was never the path for me. So I did have doubts around that from time to time. And, again, I didn't get a lot of positive feedback, so that really contributed to the doubts. But again, like I was pointing out in the piece, you know, really in a lot of ways it doesn't matter what we hear externally around us. We, when we develop a strong sense of inner self-worth and confidence, we do experience things outwardly that reflect that back to us. Um, that is just universal law. And so that's sort of the good news in all of this. Um, you know, because some people will say to me, again, how do you make that change where you increase your sense of self-worth? And that's something, uh, and, which is an excellent, absolutely excellent question, because quote-unquote easier said than done. I mean, you might want to do something, but if you're, you know, you might say positive affirmations and mantras, but if deep inside you don't believe what you're saying at some level, you know, you're not really going to manifest any type of a change. Uh, but it is a good start, you know, by, by creating positive affirmations about where you are, um, your on the road to beginning to make the shift. It just may take longer. What I recommend, and I, I do, you know, I do sessions on this with people all the time. I do a reality creating session teaching people how to 
change and shift their beliefs around. And, and, and this is not just esoteric stuff, guys. This is real. You change what you believe internally, your external world will shift and rapidly change. It's doing that already. Everything outside of you, in many ways, is a reflection of your beliefs in terms of how you see it. So it's already happening. So we do, that's where the good news comes in on all this. We can change it. You're not stuck, so to speak. Your bad astrology, your, you know, all, uh, your uh, bad luck, your bad genetics, all this other baloney. Listen, <laughs> those things are influences, but they're not facts in the sense that we can change them. That is the structure of the way the universe is wired. Um, it just may take a little while once you change those beliefs, but that's the key. You have to actually begin to understand what it is that you believe in the first place. A lot of times, the beliefs are quote-unquote hidden. And I'm not talking Freudian psychology here, where you have to start digging into the deep roots of your unconscious to find out what you want. say they're hidden because we don't even question the nature of them being true or not. For instance, let me use the financial thing as an example. Say, for an instance, every day we worry about whether we're going to make enough money to pay our bills. We worry about um, whether we're going to have uh, enough income. We worry about having an accident or difficulty, not being able to afford to be able to handle it. We worry about getting sick and what that will cost us, blah, blah, blah. Now, listen, a lot of people do that. Those are pretty normal things. And in some sense, to be a pragmatic person, you do have to prepare for difficulty at some level. But that said... Um, that worry and that fear, those thoughts that we think, usually boils down to a belief that we have. You know, the belief may be that the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. The belief may be that I never seem to have enough money. The belief may be that I'm not, uh, I'm not paid for the uh, wealth or the talents and abilities that I have. Uh, the belief may be that I just simply never seem to have enough um, the belief may be that life is difficult. You know, and listen, anyone hearing this, you're going to think a lot of people are going to have had some of these beliefs. So, again, your beliefs form a reality. So the worrying is really a result of internal beliefs that we have. You know, the weird part is for most of us, even the ones that have these fears that operate, which is a lot of us, um, you also find that you have really good supportive beliefs that, about yourself. Listen, we have all got areas in our life that I call sort of protected Meaning, like, uh, you know, some people just are never really going to have health issues in their life. Um, some people just have ease in relationships. Some people just always seem to have enough money. Some people are good looking. So, you know what I mean? Some people can't gain weight, you know, will never be fat. You know what I mean? So we, we, all, we all got these areas where we just, you know, even no matter how cynical you may be, you've got areas where you tend to do well. And if you look there, you'll find that you have beliefs that really are very confident in those areas. You just don't have fear around illness, as an example. Uh, I had a, a sinus infection a few months ago, which is rare for me to get sick. So for the most part, I, I do believe my body is strong and my constitution is strong. And I don't really worry about germs and getting sick. So for the most part, I don't experience that. It's not a non-issue. It's a little odd getting a sinus infection. I'll talk about that in my next month column. But uh, I not had one since 2008, I think. Um, but uh, so that's what I mean. We've got areas where, where our beliefs are working effectively. So one of the ways in answering the original question of how do I have my inner worth mount is by looking at, um, you know, the, the, the beliefs that we have and getting rid of anything that's limiting. Um, you know, for instance, if, you, if you're a woman and you struggle with the fact that you don't make as much money as your colleagues, 
Listen, you're not imagining that. That that may be a very real thing that you experience, but what we can identify is that there are other women in this world that make as much money, if not more money, than men. And while the scales may be really clearly tipped in an unfair direction in this world, there are people that believe differently and experience things differently. So, again, that tells you you can make a change. You don't have to continue to suffer in that, so to speak, pool. Uh, listen, I, I can vouch for this in a whole, in, in a very, very personal kind of a way. Uh, in my, I'm a, I'm a gay man, um, but I don't have any struggle or difficulty because of that issue. I have any problems with friends or relationships or people being abusive to me or anything like that because of my, my sexual orientation. Because I don't have, that's a protected area. I don't have any, uh, any, any sense of lack of self worth around that area. I, I see. To me, being gay, lesbian, bisexual, asexual, they're just different experiences. One isn't better than another. Like, you know, I'm very ha- I'm a very happy person in terms of my sexual uh, orientation. I, I, don't, I don't struggle with it, although I did when I was younger. But I changed the way I viewed it. So I never encounter any difficulty. But there's some, there's some gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual people may go through difficulty in, in jobs and work situations, and I, don't, and I have total empathy. For them, but again, a lot of times when you get to the root of the cause, you believe that it is difficult to be quote unquote you know this way and and people don't like me and and so that's again what you will experience so you know listen i want to I don't want to focus on the negative part of all this because it really is a really kind of a positive point of view to take on all of these things, which is you are empowered in that way to make choices and shift your beliefs uh uh, around these subjects so that you can eventually see that reflected outwardly. Uh, you know, again, I use that example in relationships. Um, you know, I had some really abusive relationships, uh, for lack of a better way, word to use, when I was in my uh, early to mid-20s. I lived with uh, uh, a lot of unrequited love situations where it wasn't even I was in love and they didn't have the same love back. I... Uh, I, 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 I've written about some of this in, in some of my books and things as well. But, um, but there was issues with my self-esteem at that time. So unconsciously, I was choosing mates that couldn't love me enough because I feared whether I was worthy of love in, in some respects. So, uh, it, but listen, that's gone. One, I, I've been single for a while. I always date on and off. But, um, you know, I, I love being single. I, I love being married. One is not better than another to me. They're just different experiences. I'm neutral about it. Uh, I would happily have a uh, a relationship with someone if that's uh, what uh, comes my way, which is, as at the moment, completely, fully, 100% of me decided to, otherwise it would have happened. Um, or I could be comfortable with being single. That doesn't bother me. I don't. I know that if I, I am in a relationship at this point in my development, I would only have someone who, who really loved me and treated me well because that's how I would treat them and that's how I would expect to be treated back. And the moment I was mistreated, over. We ain't playing. Uh, I, you know, that, that's, that's a kind of confidence that rose along the way of my journey uh, when I began to see my value. I just didn't really see my value when when I was younger. Um, you know, I, a lot of, for a lot of different reasons. That was how I was raised with Catholicism, and uh, from from family and parents and issues around my sexuality, things of that nature that made me doubt and not feel worthy. Uh, but listen, along the road, along the journey I've taken, that has changed. 
Uh, so again, my outer experience reflects that back to me. Let me read to you the whole, the actual quote from the, the journey room, because then we can talk a little bit about some more elements of this as well. And that way, if anyone, you know, I know a lot of times people will tune into the show and they like to get free mini readings. I'm not really going to do that as often. Again, I will do that from time to time. But uh, we'll listen to the shows. Often you'll have tuned into the show because you needed to hear this message. And so the rune I'm reading, again, take into account that this, you know, if you were asking me to, to do a reading for you, this is your reading, okay, guys? <laughs> uh, believe me, there's a reason you're, you're hearing this. So the rune is called Rado. It means a journey, communication, union, and reunion. This is the upright position, and also the reverse position. I'm going to tell you what the reverse is, because I'm going to use that as a lead into talking about Mercury retrograde in a little bit. But here's the upright position. He says, this rune is concerned with communication, with the attunement of something that has two sides, two elements, and with the ultimate reunion that comes at the end of the journey. What is above and what is below are united and of one mind. Inner worth mounts here. And at such a time, you must remember that you are not intended to rely entirely upon your own power, but rather to ask what constitutes right action. Ask through prayer, through addressing your own knowing, the witness self, the teacher within. Not intent on movement. Be content to wait. And while you wait, keep on removing resistances. As the obstructions give way, all remorse arising from trying to make things happen disappears. The journey is towards self-healing, self-change, and union. You are concerned here with nothing less than an unobstructed, perfect union. But the union of heaven and earth cannot be forced. Regulate any excesses in your life. Material advantages must not weigh heavily on this journey of the self toward the self, capital letter. Stand apart even from like-minded others. The notion of strength in numbers does not apply at this time, for this part of the journey cannot be shared. Another of the cycle runes, Rado, represents the soul's journey and has within it the element of joy, for the end is in sight. No longer burdened by what you've left behind, heaven above you and earth below you unite within you and support you on your way. A simple prayer for the soul's journey is, I will to will thy will capital W on the second will. Okay, so, you know, and, and this is, again, really, really fitting. I, you know, I've talked about this with a lot of clients, you know, individually, during different experiences, um, and this is really, you know, it's a reminder, your journey in many ways is unique. Uh, and, that, and that's another thing that should help give you high, high self-worth. I'm guaranteeing that you've done, everyone listening to this, no matter how, what kind of position you're in, no matter what you're struggling with, if you sit down and think of the things you've done in this life that have been good, you've done well, the people you've helped, um, the fact that you didn't get up this morning and strangle someone alone uh, is pretty damn good. <laughs> if you, but if you sit down and you think about it, and in a lot of ways for many people too, if you would ask your friends and family to list some of the things they thought about you, um, that were positive, you'd probably weep and cry uh, with the positive things more people think about you than you know. So, but, you know, you're unique. Remember that. Your path isn't exactly like everyone else's. It, it is different, and that's something to take pride in. But one of the things that he talks about here is when he talks about inner worth mounting, a part of the way that is is, again, through, through prayer, through meditation, 
through trusting your own inner knowingness, through paying attention to what's going on within. You know, he brings up that point about not being intent on movement. And what that brings up is the idea that, listen, sometimes we don't have to strive for movement. Sometimes it's more about removing any resistances that we have, working on that angle. You know, that's as opposed to male energy is aggressive, feminine energy is receptive. That's working in a more receptive kind of a way. Um, But, you know, and this this can apply to anything, a relationship, a job situation, anything. The idea is that, you know, as you self-heal, you move to kind of a perfect union toward what your goal is in that sense. And, uh, you know, again, more than anything else, it's a process. Um, You know, the the rune Rado actually also has the rune of joy within it, sort of like joy with a kickstand on it. Um, if you look up the Joy Rune, you'll see it looks like a P, and the radio has kind of like, again, P with a kickstand, so to speak, an R. Uh, and it's a reminder that there's an element of that within this as well, too, that you also have to leave behind the things that um, that you, you struggled with in the past. I mean, not, not forgetting them and washing them away, but leave behind the fear behind it. Because I know, uh, when, for me, because I had struggled somewhat with some financial issues uh, back in, again, like 2010, 9, 10, 11, even 12. You know, but by 2013, things had improved a lot, and I was in a much better space financially. But you know what? I remember that about 2013. I still had sort of like a phobia with a little party that's sort of waiting for the shoe to drop. You know, listen, I get that. I absolutely get it. But, like, you know, the, the deeper part of me knew that it really wasn't and, and that I could handle it anyway if it did, and I knew it wasn't. But by 2014, really, that, that sense of inner self-worth was really, really strong. And, you know, it was funny because in, in 2014, I got a tremendous amount of money, um, not money, I got a tremendous amount of income and new clients that were coming from, um, weirdly enough, to review sites like Yelp. Just that a lot of clients had done positive reviews, and so when people were searching for someone to do a reading, I would come up at the top of the list. I got a ton of clients out of that. The funny part is it was I did very little to make that happen. By the way, that just came my way. It has tapered off a bit um, than for where it was. I got a, I talked about this on a previous show. I got a really bad review from a really damn emotionally damaged woman that I saw, uh, and that, that definitely tailored some of the flow of business that came from it. But for a good year or so, I had quite a bit that came from that. And really, I had done almost nothing for it. But that's because I kind of started remembering that so much of my life, I used to always have a belief that money and and success came easy to me. And I kind of had lost a little of that during the recession because, again, I was so focused on what I was fearful about. So it was like kind of, you know, either regaining an old useful belief that worked for me for much of my life or it was uh, creating a new one uh, and then maybe inserting that into the past. That's a whole other issue, uh, <laughs> uh, theoretically and metaphysically, that I may talk about at some point. But another way, it, it worked. So, um, But to me, again, it wasn't something that I did. It was an outer result of a change that went on internally for me. And that's what it was. I, I really, I was getting a lot of praise about the work that I did and how much I helped people. I always have. But, like, when I was worrying and fearful and I was dealing with financial stuff, I wasn't hearing it. I was the, the voice of fear was louder at that time. So, you know, the scales just finally tipped in the other direction. I started listening to that bullshit voice that was telling me that I wasn't good enough or I wasn't helpful enough or that I, I was, you know, I would be struggling. I changed it. And I started listening to the more positive messages. And, again, 
outward shift clearly followed. So, I mean, that's the good news that I have for everyone that's, that's following me and listening to this radio broadcast. And, and listen, I know the right people will 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 listen to this. Um, you know, this was a really key. I'm glad I wrote this column. You know, and it's funny because I, you know, I, you know, I don't. I, I have about fourteen hundred, fifteen hundred people getting my column now. Um, again, if you're not already getting it, email me venturesage@yahoo.com. Um, my perspective on that is. Really, I'm, I'm a really good writer, and what I have to say is really useful. So even if you never had a personal session with me at all, you'll gain so much from the columns themselves and the other material that I provide in the newsletter that will be of value to you. So, uh, But, yeah, getting a personal session is an awesome thing, too. Believe me, when it's personalized, it, it's even more powerful. Um, but, uh, you know, again, that's the key. You, you can let your inner worth mount. Um, you know, allow it to, you know, remember times in your life when you did feel good about yourself if you're struggling. In the areas where you're, you're, you feel blocked, they're not going the way that you want them to, you know, do this as a meditation. Think about an area in your life that you're really good at, something that works well, something that's easy for you. Think about that. Feel that energy. Just like a, think about it in detail, rehash it, however, you know, your own brain works in that way. Think about it. Feel those good feelings that come when you feel satiated and comfortable. Then place those that energy on the area that you're struggling with and, and almost see and act as if you're feeling the same way about this area, that sense of ease and contentment and success. Try that. You know, listen, it, the first cu- couple of times you do this, I suggest you do it more than once. You're going to feel like you're bullshitting yourself <laughs> because it's not going to be. But with practice, you begin to see that that some of that those feelings will be interjected uh, interjected uh, injected into the um uh the the experience that you're struggling with and then you'll begin to start to see that these beliefs that surface that you have and look at whether you want to get rid of them and change them and then believe me in a short period of time you'll actually see an outer change in a very tangible kind of a way uh again we're not just talking esoteric uh metaphysical uh, ideas here. We're talking reality and shifting in that sense. We're doing it all the time anyway. It's just you're becoming more conscious of it. So I'm going to continue. You know, I have a regular client program. I have clients that come see me quarterly, uh, some even monthly because we do more counseling type of work that way. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've definitely seen some really amazing results, really, with working with people consistently. Um, I always say they're doing it. I'm just a motivator. Um, you know, with all these different types of readings I do and this different insight that we do, they start really tapping into their own self-esteem, higher self as well. And uh, some people work with me for many years. Some people just work for me for a year or two, and then they don't need to anymore because they're kind of there. But in whatever the case, I've got clients that have worked with for 12, 14 years now. Uh, most of them just more quarterly now uh, as opposed to monthly or every other month. But um, check that out on my website as well because uh, it can be done by phone. You don't have to be in Phoenix to be able to take advantage of that. And uh, regular clients get discounts um, on my session prices as well. Okay. wanted to mention shift gears here. we only got about five more minutes of the show. So I want to shift gears here. Mercury's been retrograde in Aquarius um, for since January 20th, approximately. So I've talked about Mercury retrograde in past shows. Mercury rules the way we think, the way we communicate, the way we express ourselves. Just so when Mercury goes retrograde for about a three-week period, like it does every few months, um, you know, typical communication issues get messed up, uh, appointments get misconstrued or missed, 
um, uh, communication issues become a little more confusing. I would say I think we all get a bit more dingier, so to speak, during Mercury retrogrades. But a lot of, I think, you know, Mercury, in essence, sort of, quote, unquote, rules communication expression. So when it's going retrograde, theoretically backwards, just from Earth's point of view, I mean, it's not technically going backwards. Um, yeah, we're going to get screwed up on communication. So when this one is in Aquarius, which means that it's affecting, um, you know, where Aquarius is in your chart, by the way, is going to be far more profound. The house that Aquarius occupies and Mercury is transiting through, by the way. That area of life is definitely going to be where you're rehashing, rethinking, reevaluating, going over issues again. But in a nutshell, retrograde in Aquarius, and Aquarius rules friendships, hopes and dreams, group associations, um, our highest ideals and what we're attempting to achieve, our social circle, how we receive. Um, a number of different things are contained within the 11th house and, and Aquarian energy. So these should be the areas that are being kind of reevaluated and, and re-triggered at this point. Um, it, you know, for me, it's been a very classic Mercury retrograde. You know, I've noticed, I don't know whether it's just the mail has become slower, but I got, I've had lost checks from clients or delayed for a week and a half, two weeks before they got here, even though they were sent out around the right time. Um, I've definitely had some screw-ups with appointments. I've double-booked. Um, I've not written appointments down. I mean, God almighty. I, I, again, I've, I said this in past shows. I always think that that's like the um, the uh, the test of Mercury retrograde. I think every time we go through one, we start thinking we're becoming stupider with age. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it's Mercury retrograde. We just become, like I said, ding baths a little bit more. I always joke, it's like I walk in the kitchen to do something, and I have no idea why I'm walking into the kitchen. Okay. Uh, in fact, it's funny because I had a client the other week. She was a monthly regular of mine, and she was supposed to book at this time. And she said, you know, I'm a little hesitant to book. Maybe we should wait until after the retrograde before I have my session. And I laughed. I said, no, Mercury retrograde doesn't mean crawl in a ball and don't take any type of an action. It means make sure you cross your T's, you dot your I's, you pay more attention to detail because you, you know, you may miss something more so or get some screw-ups. So it doesn't mean don't take any action or disappear for three weeks. Come on, let's not be silly. But it was adorable. She was not coming from a, uh, it was from a, from a super, uh, silly place. She just really didn't know what what it all meant. So, you know, the funny thing is, um, the rune I had talked about, Rado, when it surfaces reversed has a message as well. So I want to read this because, again, this may be part of your message today, too. Maybe it was the upright, maybe it's reversed if you're catching this show. But you'll see how much this coincides with the Mercury retrograde energy. So let me read what Rado reversed means. And, and when a room comes up reversed, it, it doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means that you have to sort of fix something, resolve something, readjust, relook at, um, move a little bit more cautiously, um, and that's really apropos for Mercury retrograde as well. So he says, receiving radio reverse puts you on notice to be particularly attentive to personal relationships. At this time, ruptures are more likely than reconciliations. Effort will be required to keep your good humor. Whatever happens, how you respond is up to you. The requirements of your process may totally disrupt what you had intended. Hope for outcomes may elude you. And yet, what you regard as detours, inconveniences, disruptions, obstacles, even failures and deaths, will actually be rerouting opportunities with union and reunion as the only abiding destinations. Uh, beautiful passage and a great reminder. Uh, 
I could go on about this in, in a lot more detail time too, because we're at the end of our show. So I'll leave you with that thought and uh, ask you all, you know, everyone who listened to the show, listen, really start thinking about your value. It's more than you know. And the more you, you feel that internally, the more you'll see it externally. And, 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 you know, listen, don't worry, you know, again, with things with Mercury and Retrograde. You know, it's just a time to reevaluate, relook at the way you're doing it. Um, by the way, the Retrograde goes direct on the 10th. So that's Tuesday. So uh, we're almost out of the woods with this one. Uh, and you should get a lot more clarity. Anyway, all right, looks like uh, coming to the end of my show here. So uh, I believe I'll be back in two weeks uh, when we do the um, Michael Teaching Show. Absolutely catch the Michael Teaching Show, whether you can catch it live or an archive. I really cannot stress this enough. You really want to catch teaching. It is about as awesome as it gets. So this is Jim Ventura. Uh, check out my services at jimventura.com. Email me at venturasage at yahoo.com to get it to the monthly newsletter if you're not already on it. Um, you can also hit an I like on Facebook for my fan page, and that gives you $10 off of any of the sessions I offer if you give an I like on my fan page. Uh, so thanks for tuning in today. Glad to be back. Everyone have an awesome February, and we'll be talking again in a couple of weeks. Cheers. <laughs>